Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Features and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to the Motor City Hoop Show. For episode 34, we are blessed with a very special guest, James Edwards, Detroit Pistons beat writer for The Athletic and one half of the Bunning Cardigan Show. Today, we'll get James' thoughts on the last 12 months for this Pistons organization and take a look forward at the 2021 draft and offseason. We also get his thoughts on the new name, image, and likeness ruling for college athletes and finish off with a look at the 2021 NBA playoffs and finals matchup. But first and foremost, I just want to thank you, James Edwards. Thank you for joining the show, coming on, giving us a little bit of your time. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me on. A big fan of you on Twitter and yeah, no, I was I was delighted when you when you sent me the message to join. So thank you for having me. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. that means a lot that, you know, you follow us on Twitter and kind of see the content we're putting out. So really, really appreciate it. Real quick before we dive into stuff, I do want to let our listeners know Vlad is still doing his basketball academy. I wanted to make this work with James since he was willing to come on the show, but he will be back next episode. So just for our listeners so that they know. Um, but let's get into this. Before we look ahead, James, I want to take a look back to last offseason with you. So let's kind of look at these things and what you thought in the moment. So adding Troy Weaver as the GM, what, what were your thoughts there whenever that happened and, and what you knew about Troy? Yeah, I had figured, well, I, I had known for a, a couple of days before it happened that he would, that he was the guy that was going to be the new GM. Um, he was a guy that they wanted in 2018 when, um, Ed Stefanski ended up kind of wearing a couple hats as they transitioned from Stan to the new era. Um, but OKC wasn't ready to let him go then, uh, this time around OKC kind of starting to look toward the future rebuilding. Troy had a chance to, to jump in and get to a place that obviously coveted him for a couple of years now. So I, it wasn't surprised that he was the guy. I think he was the top their list 
And um, he's a guy that you just hear about as, as a great talent evaluator. And you look at those AK, OKC teams for the last decade, and they got good players. They were always right there in the hunt. Um, it was. It seemed like the right fit for where Detroit was headed um, and where they are right now. Yeah, that's so true. That's a great point with him as a talent evaluator. Detroit obviously needing to acquire talent over these next, you know, last year and then these next couple of years. Nobody better for the job than that. So let's go right into what he did as a talent evaluator last offseason. Some of these free agent signings. What, again, in the moment, we'll look back on it as a whole and what we feel about it, you know, now that we get a chance to evaluate the last 12 months. But in the moment, last offseason, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee, Josh Jackson, any of those signings that really stood out to you um, positively or maybe negatively when they happened? Yeah, I mean, they all, I mean, aside from Josh, Jeremy and, and Mason surprised me. I mean, that whole week was kind of crazy. I think it was the opening of the moratorium so trades could happen. And that Monday, the Pistons dropped the first domino with trading Bruce. Uh, next day, they trade Luke. So you're thinking this is about to be a full-on rebuild. <laughs> and then they draft four rookies and you're like, oh, they're definitely about to, this is going to be a full on youth movement. And then free agency hits. And the first thing I think it was, was, I don't remember who was first between Mason and Jeremy, but either way, that was kind of against what had happened in the days leading up to free agency. Um, so that, that, that was where a lot of the confusion came from. Um, obviously I was, I liked Jeremy Grant and liked him in Denver a lot. I think I sent out a tweet during the bubble, like how much would you pay Jeremy Grant in free agency? And I was surprised when it was Detroit that ended up getting him. Like I said, given what had happened in the days leading up and where it seemed like the direction was going. But then you learn more about Troy and his relationship with Jeremy and kind of now in hindsight, seeing what kind of team they wanted to put together for that first season. It made a little bit, it made more sense. Uh, Mason, the years, the money, like people obviously were up in arms about it. But to me, it wasn't like the end of the world. Um it was a team that wasn't going to win a lot of games, and they gave eight million a year to a, a center who's an NBA center. They just well, yeah, just it didn't see it. people. I think were confused because, like I said, nobody knew kind of what was going on. They draft Isaiah Stewart, but I think they wanted to get a guy in there who could pass the ball, who could set good screens, help the development of the young guards. And I don't think they expected Isaiah Stewart to be as ready as he was early on, too. So, Josh Jackson was kind of fit the bill project player back home that that one made sense but the other two in the moment of course you're like what's going on here and then talk to more people you do a little bit more research and and you see kind of the logic behind it yeah i mean that's so true you brought that up with mason plumley and isaiah stewart you know, obviously Troy Weaver and his staff saw something in Isaiah Stewart or else they wouldn't have, you know, drafted him. But you couldn't project it. He was going to be, I don't think anybody did what he was going to be as a rookie. So it's easy to look now and say, Oh, like, why did we need Mason Plumley when we got Isaiah Stewart? But in, in the time, at that time, you know, you have to evaluate what you know. You, you know, Isaiah Stewart's progression may have happened faster than what they anticipated. I, I want to yeah. jump the gun here a little bit on Jeremy Grant. Let's stay on him. So. You know, that supposedly he was overpaid. You know, now it obviously looks like a great contract. He had a great year. We can talk about whether he's a number one option and that type of stuff. But I'm starting to lean more towards, and I'll be completely honest, James, I've shifted in this. I'm starting to lean more towards he's going to be here for the long haul, even beyond this contract. Do you agree with that? Or, I mean, you know, with the, the, the reason he signed here, you know, 
I just don't see us moving him. What do you? What's your take on Jeremy Grant long term? Yeah, I think it depends on the, the situation. Um, my gut tells me that he signs another deal after this one if if things are progressing like a lot of people in the organization and and some of the players believe that will. Um, and getting the number one pick helps ex- accelerate the process. So there is parts of me that thinks that. He does sign an extension to some degree, um, given that they build on, again, it's kind of hard to say build on the second worst record in the league, but the <laughs> momentum that they built last year, there For was sure. excitement around the team. Yes. Um, and you had the number one pick, um, another year of development for the young guys that already showed promises as rookies. Uh, I think he believes in Troy enough that he, he would – latch on for more than this current contract which has two years left if again yeah things go well this year and are on the up and up um which you right now you don't see any reason to believe it wouldn't be um but yeah i mean he is 27 by the end of his deal it'll be close to 30 and if things aren't progressing maybe you see a situation where he's like all right i i tried um maybe it's it's time for me to go win just because the window's closing so I mean, there's always two different worlds that you can envision. Um, but right now, just given the trajectory of the of the rebuild and Jeremy's kind of um, support and belief in Troy, you would think that this isn't going to be a, a short-term stay. No, so that's a good point. So you're kind of looking at it from Jeremy's perspective. I guess I've never taken it that way. I always look from the Pistons perspective. You know, there seems like a lot of the fan base always wants to move him and, you know, put him in a trade package. But that makes a lot of sense. If this rebuild or restoration, I think, as Troy Weaver likes to call it, doesn't progress, Jeremy may be the one that says, like you said, hey, I came here, I tried it, I gave three years, but I got to go win somewhere else. So hopefully we don't fall into that. I just think he can play that you know, that complimentary role to Cade, if Cade is what we think he is or whoever the pick ends up being. And then even if, you know, as he gets later in his career, he can fall back. I don't mean this in a bad way, but into a role like he played in Denver and earlier in his career. So I see value in him in Detroit long-term. Yeah, no, I agree. I think so too. I, I, I Every sense I get is that the Pistons want him around and he's going to be part of this. It's, I think the real question is, is there a conversation if things aren't going how people anticipate? Is there a conversation like, hey, do you want us to trade you? Hey, are you going to leave? Like that would be more of the, I guess, the reasoning behind him leaving if he did leave more so than them just deciding they're going to trade him for, for stuff uh, that this February or so or this coming February or something. Makes sense. That makes real quick before we move into this year's lottery and draft. Let's look back at last year's draft picks. And just again, if you can take us back, James, to when we made those selections on draft night, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, and even Sabin Lee. What were your thoughts initially on the draft class? We know how it's kind of panned out now, but what were your thoughts then whenever those selections were made? No, I thought it was good. Um, I was high on Killian. I knew they were high on Killian, and then if he was there and a couple guys were off the board, that he would be the pick. Um, Isaiah was the one I didn't know much about. Like, he played at Washington. I'm in Michigan. I didn't watch many Pac-12 games. Um, he was a, in a system where they were playing 2-3 zone. He was the number one recruit in the country, but the team wasn't very good. I didn't, I didn't know much about Isaiah, and that was the one, obviously, that I think, aside from myself, a lot of people were wrong on. Um, except for Troy. And then Sadiq is a guy 
it's interesting because they didn't work him out. They didn't think he'd be there. Um, and from what I was told, there was a couple people, a couple players picked ahead of him that if they had fallen, fallen to them at night, fallen to him at 19, fallen to the Pistons at 19, they probably would have picked him, but those guys were gone. And, uh, Detroit scouts did their work, even though they didn't work him out. And, and they, they really like Sadiq Bay and it, and it, and it paid off. I mean, that was a guy that was kind of rising up draft boards as the draft approached as I remember he was really heavily linked to the Warriors. Um, there was, there was a lot of teams that liked him just because he was pro ready. And I think that was part of the, part of the lore. Like he could shoot and he had a big body, nice frame and he could step in right away and play. And, um, it worked out for him. It did. It, 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 I don't think they expected it to work out the way it did, but it has. Yeah, that's such a good point with Sadiq Bay. Can you imagine how many of these playoff teams would have loved to have him, you know, through these playoff runs as a rookie who could could have contributed a little bit? You know, I I don't know if you agree, but I feel like he could have given a playoff team some, you know, not as a starter probably, but as a guy off the bench, some shooting. And like you say, those those I have a love hate with Villanova, James. They they ended my college career. We lost to them in the first round okay. of the yeah first round of the tournament. They went to the Final Four that year. Scotty Reynolds, Dante Cunningham, that squad, but. You, you gotta love what they do, um, there at Villanova, Jay Wright. And it just, you draft Nova guys, right? Like, because they're gonna be NBA ready. They do a great job getting them ready. And it just, don't you think Sadiq Bay would be a nice, you know, eighth in a rotation on a playoff team if some of those teams would have, would have taken him? Oh, yeah. I think I've written it that Sadiq could play in the rotation on every team in the league. Yes. I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's a hot take or anything like that. I mean, it's a 39% three point shooter who can defend. Um, and has a strong body. Like, I think he would play on any team in the league. And yeah, it really worked out for him. I know one person they really liked and I'm sure that they are happy it turned out the way <laughs> it did is it was Aaron Naismith who went to the Celtics. Okay. Um, and yeah, he was gone, I think 14, if I'm not mistaken. And Sadiq went 19. Um, or did he go 16? I can't remember, but, um, yeah, so it worked out literally in the best way possible for him. It's 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 funny how many you know obviously you're privy to and I'm not going to ask you to do but you're privy to more of this information obviously than somebody like me or a lot of people. Um yeah, so Nesmith went 14 and then Stewart 16 Bay 19. So but it, you, you know, you wonder how often that happens where a team, I don't want to say gets lucky, but is fortunate that maybe a guy they had higher ends up off the board and then they end up with plan B or plan C and that plan ends up being the better plan. You know, I'm sure it happens all the time. Yeah, I think it happens pretty frequently. Yes, yes. Uh, real quick with Isaiah Stewart, cause he, you're right. I've talked to a lot of people like the, the quote unquote draft guys that I follow on Twitter that I really tw- trust. You very, you very rarely find somebody who said they were high on Isaiah Stewart going into last year's draft. So I just feel like that was such a surprise with him. I feel like Weaver took a lot of heat for that pick. What's your just overall feelings on Isaiah Stewart? And you, you brought it up. Him playing 2-3 zone in college, I wonder how much that had to do. I don't know how much higher he would have been picked, but it didn't seem like a lot of people knew about his defensive ability to be switchable on the perimeter and things like that because, you know, he probably just played the middle of that 2-3 zone. Yeah, no, I think that that was part of it. Um, I mean, we were told us after the draft that – or, yeah, I think it was after. Um, he has a really great relationship with Mike Hopkins. Okay. Washington's coach they I think they were on the bench together at Syracuse and I'm sure they had more than one conversation about what Isaiah Stewart could do maybe why he didn't flourish so well in his in his freshman year 
Um, that was Weaver doing what Weaver was hired to do, which is find guys, find out about them, character, reasons they might not have succeeded in a situation, why they might have succeeded. Um, he does his homework, and he always talks about trusting the preparation and having a great relationship with Isaiah Stewart's head coach, who I would I would guess admittedly said probably didn't put him in the best position to succeed individually. Maybe that was what was best for the team. Um, we, we were obviously trusted that and they saw him work out and yeah, it was, it was clearly somebody they loved. I mean, they took him 16th and if, and the, I mean, for a traditional center quote unquote, which is what many people considered him as at the time, uh, that was pretty high for, for that guy who nobody kind of knew where he would go. That you bring up another point there with Troy Weaver, a relationship with the college coach. Yeah, you know, how important. Just think about how important that has to be for those guys, for a GM or, or his staff as a whole to have relationships where you can get the true um, picture of a prospect because you have that relationship with the head coach at a university or an assistant coach at a university. And they can say like what you said with Hopkins, who maybe would say, hey, we, you know, we didn't get him in the best position to succeed. It wasn't what was best for the team. You know, those little insights are huge for Troy Weaver, any GM and his staff in the NBA. Yeah, no, without question. And I think that was part of the the reasoning for bringing Troy in is his connections and the people he knows. And again, his eye for identifying who, who can sink and who can swim. So um, I think right out of the gate for him, uh, that was as good of a start as you could get finding a guy quote, and I don't want to call him a diamond in the rough. Like he was the number one player in the country, but he, he had lost kind of some of the, the magic after his first year in college. And, um, I think there are a lot of teams. If you do a redraft, I, I would feel fairly confident Isaiah Stewart would be a pick somewhere in the seven to 10 range. Agreed. Yeah. That's what I say. You, you might have at least, I can't imagine Sadiq Bay. I, I think all three of those guys would, would go lottery if you redrafted, don't you? Like Killing Hayes has still shown enough, up, uh, enough, excuse me, upside to probably be a lottery pick. Yeah. I think he would be a lottery pick. Top 10, it would be close. Um, just because guys behind him that played well, Tyrese Halliburton, Emmanuel Quickly, Sadiq yep. Bay, Isaiah Stewart, and he was seven. So you, I mean, there, I think the guys in front of them, I don't know if there's anybody you'd move out of there. Uh, who was, who was picked before him? Who did um, pick at sixth? Six. Well, that was Obi the Hawks. Toppin. Yeah. Toppin was right behind him. So you had Edwards, yeah. Wiseman, Ball, Patrick Williams with the Bulls, Okoro with the Cavs, and Okongwu with the Hawks, who just had some good games in the playoffs. Yeah. So I'd say maybe Okoro moves back and Toppin moves back, but you're adding three or four or five other guys. So it'd be close for him, but definitely lottery for Killian. No question. For sure. So we talked about his eye, Troy Weaver's eye for talent, you know, kind of how he really hit this, the, the, the draft, especially maybe the offseason as a whole last year. Let's look forward now, James. And I want to look at just lottery night and, you know, just kind of a fun question here. Complete honesty. Where did you think we were going to land? Where did you think? I know in the history, the Pistons have never moved up in the lottery. Um, I know a lot of Pistons fans felt, you know, they were resigned to the fact we'd pick five or six and, you know, we're looking at prospects there. Where did you think we were going to land in the NBA draft lottery? Going into it, I was telling people, I was like, it's either going to be fifth or first. <laughs> um, I thought fifth just because, like you were saying, kind of the Detroit look. Um, maybe they wouldn't be tormented as much with getting the sixth pick, which they could have gotten. And there was a little bit of leeway in the gate and the basketball gods gave them the fifth pick. I, I thought that was possible. 
but I was texting with Nick the night before. I'm like, they're going to get number one. And, and, my, and it just felt like it because I know it's hard for outsiders to kind of understand what I don't remember how, how many wins did they have this year? 17, 20, whatever yeah. it was, 21. I don't remember. Um, it's hard for outsiders to understand like how you could have positive momentum, but being the second worst team 20, in the league. But 20. 20, yeah. Um, how you could have positive momentum, but be the second worst team in the league. It's like you just kind of had to follow the team. You kind of had to be around the team. You had to be there to understand it. Like Weaver was every move it felt like he made was the right move. Um, the young players developed under Dwayne Casey. Um, there was a surprise in Jeremy Grant. There was a surprise off and on with Josh Jackson. The trade of Hamadou Diallo, like things were going in the right direction. And it just felt like if the Pistons were ever going to get that luck, it would it would latch on to kind of the the good the the goodwill that they had built the past year in terms of developing the young players and, and starting over. Um, so it kind of just felt like all the momentum was going toward there because. It, it, I don't know. It's hard to put into words or even make it sound like it makes sense. But it, it just felt like if there was going to be a year that they got the number one pick, it would be this year based on kind of how the last six, seven months played out. No, I think you describe it perfectly, James. And and we talk. I think I gave you a little taste of this when we were messaging about you know time zones. You're like, what do you mean? You, you don't live in Detroit. you know? I live in Kansas, and and admittedly, I'm a little bit of a transplant since we've started this podcast. Vlad and I, you know, he he added asked me to join him, and I've just just kind of been a general NBA fan and then now have just you know shifted my focus to exclusively the Pistons and I'm all in I love it but it's hard for me to understand to sometimes to understand the pain you guys have that have been lifers and the disappointments you've been through but just as you know being through it this year is like man there's so much hope like these rookies Troy Weaver Dwayne Casey like you said everything's going right in my personal opinion I feel like we did right by Derrick Rose trading him to the Knicks where I, I you would know more than me I assume that's where he wanted to go um you know we don't have to get into the Blake Griffin thing but I feel like we did right by Blake we bought him out he gave us some money back and he went to and it was able to have a good experience for the rest of his season so like you, I love the, the the basketball gods term. I don't know if that offends anybody, but like I love talking about the basketball gods, and and I, I think they rewarded us. You just felt like it was headed that way all season long. Yeah, no, without question. And and Pistons fans, they've been they've been tormented for quite some time with missing out on draft picks, injuries, um, coaching carousels. I grew up a Clippers fan, so it's been about as bad for me um, <laughs> as it has been for Pistons fans. But it's probably a little bit worse because, I mean, historically, the Pistons are one of the best franchises of all time. So to have this big of a drought, uh, I, I mean, I know how tough it is for people. Like, I, I interact with them and, and talk with them every day. So it, it definitely felt like this was going to be it – it, it definitely felt like it could happen this year. If it was going to happen any year, it would have been this year. And it did for sure. And, and no better year. So before we talk about why there's no better year for it to be, or I mean, I guess there could be a couple, but what was your reaction then? Just your initial reaction to getting that number one pick. You're watching it live. It shows up. Sheer excitement. You know, I've seen all sorts of videos of people's excitement, tears, whatever, you know, like, were you just, you know, just happy, overjoyed? What was it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Pistons fan. So like, I wasn't, I wasn't like happy. I was more so like thinking about work stuff. And sure finishing up a story and thinking of what was next. Um, but yeah, we were at the practice facility uh, 
all the media, well, not all, but the, the beat writers that are around the team every day. And they had like a party going on next door and you could just hear people cheering as the picks counted down and Detroit's card wasn't shown. Um, and then number one, when they had that realization, you could just hear cheers and screams. And it was, it, it was definitely a, um, a crazy moment because you just like the odds are, I mean, they had the best odds at getting number one, but 14% still not very high. And it was just kind of like, oh, wow, they did it. They got it. It was it was kind of a shock. It was, yeah, you, you just didn't expect it until it happened. Absolutely. So let's dive into this. Let's talk about Cade Cunningham. Um, I, I had one of, you know, Richard Stamen, who does Locked On NBA Draft. I had him on last episode. He talked a lot about him. But I want to get your perspective on Cade Cunningham. Just, just as a prospect first, James, you know, not necessarily his fit with the Pistons and next to Hayes and all that. We can get into that in a second. But just what you've seen, what you've heard, talk to people about. You talk to, you know, you have – are able to talk to a lot of people who do this for a living as well, scout these guys. What What's the thoughts on Cade as a prospect? Yeah, there's just no holes in his game. Um, I think I wrote in a story that he has less holes, less holes in a, or less gaps in his game than cornhole. <laughs> he's just, um, he can shoot it, he can create, he can pass, he can defend, he competes, he's tall, he's long, um, good character, high character guy. Like there's no holes in his game. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much where it stops and starts. There's you could look at every other prospect, and there's something you can you can talk about thoroughly as as a as a deficiency in their game, uh, except Cade. And does that necessarily mean he's going to be the best player? No, it doesn't. There's been a lot of guys that are pretty good in several areas that aren't the best players. Uh, but you know, you feel fairly confident that he's going to be an NBA player for a long time at the least. So I think that's the biggest thing is there's just nothing he doesn't do that worries you people talk about the lack of athleticism like i get that and that could be a concern at the next level but i mean the floor is going to open up um the defense the officiating is different so I, I think he could get away with it you see what luke is doing with with similar foot speed um and and a little less length so yeah i, I think he's just hole free and um it's it's going to be interesting i i think he is the pick but as i've said before and i've gotten killed on Twitter, um, they like other guys too. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. We'll, we'll get to that in a second, James, too, because I do want to talk about that because I, I tend to side with you just a little bit on that. So I, I do want to talk about that in a second um, after we finish up with Cade here. But I, I agree. Like, I, I would say if you force me to say what's his one weakness just from what I've seen and what I know, I would say it's the athleticism, but I don't worry about it because of the height, the length, and the basketball IQ. And we've seen other guys be successful in the NBA with those qualities and overcome it. And what I love is his mentality. Maybe it comes off a different way to some people, but that some of the interviews you've seen, the things he said, and what he's shown on the floor as a college player. He, he had the most clutch points of any player in college basketball last year by a wide yeah. margin. I, I love what he brings to the table as a player, but you know, you just see the mentality, the confidence that I feel like, I don't know this, but you watch him and he looks like one of those guys that believes he's the best player on the floor when he walks on the court. And that's huge to me. No, without question. I think that's that's part of the appeal. Um, that's part of what makes him who he is, and that's what you need from a star player. And he's shown in the biggest moments that he can that he can get it done, and that's exactly the type of player. I mean, Detroit needs. I mean, everybody needs that type of player, but specifically Detroit and where they at with the rebuild. That's kind of like the glaring missing piece is that go-to guy. Absolutely, I a hundred percent agree. I've 
I feel good about our complimentary pieces or what you could do. You have enough of them. You could, you know, fit everything around them, but you needed that. Uh, I don't know. However you want to say it. Face of the franchise, alpha, number one score. What, however you want to say it, whoever, you know, that's listening, but that's what they needed. I don't, as good as these draft picks were, I don't see any of those guys turning into that. I love Jeremy Grant. I don't know that he was going to turn into that at this point in his career. So this was huge being able to get a guy like Cade or the number one pick with, and whoever it ends up being. Right. No, without question. It was, um, they have a, a good, interesting young team, but it's full of guys who you anticipate being role players and secondary players. They kind of needed that guy who can initiate offense and also score and just do all the stuff that you, you need to get over that hump and, and be a, a, not a, you don't even necessarily not even a cornerstone franchise again, but just a consistently winning and productive franchise. Absolutely. So before we move on to something you just kind of tipped a little bit with, you know, possible other prospects that Troy Weaver and the organization may like, I just want to talk real quickly about this, the fit next to Killian Hayes. It's been talked about even before the season was over, you know, whenever, you know, we knew we were going to get a high pick. Do you personally, or you can go based off of what you heard, have any concerns about that fit between Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham if Cade Cunningham is the pick? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I I get why fans talk about fit. Um, you fall in love with players, you get attached to players. Killian was here first, so you think about him and, and his needs and wants. I get that. But, like, at the end of the day, Cade Cunningham is going to be the number one pick in a much better draft class. Killian was the seventh pick in a draft class that people are, like, blah about. So, it, to me, it doesn't matter if they fit. <laughs> like, it's not like that shouldn't even be a discussion. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you should get every year, you get the best player. And if that player emerges to be the best player on your team, then you build around that guy. And that's just how it should be. Uh, but in terms of them specifically, I think it's, yeah, I think it, it works. Killian, for him to have the career, a long, successful career, he was going to have to develop his jump shot anyway. Um, and now there's a chance if Cade comes in that he's going to be playing a little bit off the ball, a lot of it off the ball. Um, and now that you just, you're going to need that jump shot to, to progress. And it was going to, that was going to be him. That was going to be the next step in his maturation anyway. Like that, that jump shot was going to dictate his future, whether or not it was Cade here or not. Um, and now they possibly bring in a guy that that's going to facilitate a lot of offense. Um, and he, we're going to see if, if his jumper has progressed at all. It's not going to be an overnight thing. If he doesn't shoot well next year, I don't think people should be freaking out. Like Jason Kidd took a long time. Um, but he still found ways to be productive. And even then, Kate is kind of a Swiss Army knife. If you need him to play the two, you can play the two. If you need him to play the three, you can play the three. You can have Killian initiate offense. Um, I think from a playmaking standpoint, they're a great fit. I think from a defensive standpoint, they're a great fit. The only question I really have is when Cade has the ball uh, in, in crunch time, can you have Killian on the floor? Can he make shots um, if wide open? And I think that's really the only concern I have. That's a great point. I actually hadn't thought about that specific scenario because I've, as soon as the lottery came out, I had put it together. It's like, you can stagger their minutes. Like you can get them on the floor to, you know, separate from each other. If, if the fit isn't that great, Cade's a, you know, a 40% three point shooter. Um, you know, like you said, Killian's career path is going to, you know, be predicated on whether he eventually develops a, at least a catch and shoot three anyway. So 
you know, and, and again, to your initial point, it shouldn't matter anyway. If Cade is a, you know, generation, not, I shouldn't say, if he's a face of the franchise type player, you take him regardless of Killian Hayes and the fit. But that's a great point because in, in the game, end of the game, you're probably going to, Cade's going to be the closer. And if Killian hasn't developed that catch and shoot where he can at least hold his defender and give space, that could be a little bit problematic. But in general, I, I completely agree. And I like, you can do some fun things with those guys. There was a play late in the year where Hayes was playing off the ball. Casey designed a play where, um, he ended up being the post entry guys. Like, this is perfect. You can, you can do design fun things and, yep. and still use their talents. Certainly. Yeah. Like I was saying, I think my only real concern is late game stuff. And if Cade's putting the ball on the floor, taking this guy one on one, gets to the hole, puts pressure on the rim, defense collapses and he's kicking out. You probably trust Sadiq and Isaiah and Jeremy to hit the three. I think Killian's a question mark right now, and that's not – I mean, it's his doing, but he's young, and he's got a lot of time to progress. That's just not what his game was at at any point, really. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's – I think there's ways for sure for them to work in the first 40 minutes of a ball game. I, I guess my concern is is crunch time and – um, just making sure you have as many spacers out there as possible. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. So let's, let's go, let's touch on something you brought up. The, you know, you have more access to anyone I have the privilege to talk to. So, you know, is there any chance it's not Kate? I, I've read the article. I've, I've seen it. I've, I've seen Twisting Pistons Twitter explode. Like, I'll just tell you my feeling, James. Like, I think Kate is the guy, but I also think Troy Weaver, like we've talked about, is supremely confident in his ability to scout players as he should be because and I wouldn't want anybody that wasn't 100% confident so I don't think he's going to take Cade just because everybody else says it's Cade that's just my personal opinion as a complete outsider you you know these things a little bit better um you know you've reported it a little bit or, or talked about it a little bit I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth but is there a chance it's it's Mobley or Green or maybe even a trade for an established player yeah I mean I think one thing that people got confused during that whole reporting is like, I wasn't saying that I think Jalen Green's the pick. I, if I'm picking number one, I'm taking Cade. I was saying that they really like Jalen Green and I've been saying it for a few weeks. Um, like this isn't like they like Jalen Green at, if they pick three or four, like they really like Jalen Green as well. And they really like Cade um, and Evan Mobley too. But I think if I had to, just from what I've heard, I think it's, it's Cade and, and Jalen probably in the biggest or the eating up most of the fraction for the number one pick. Um, and like you said, Troy's not a group think guy. Um, he's a guy that trusts his process, that trusts his research, that trusts his digging, that he go, he does a lot of research. And I've told this story before. Um, when the Pistons were drafting Isaiah, were considering drafting Isaiah Stewart, I think there were some people who wanted Anyaka Kongwu. And Troy said, he's like, you guys want this guy, but I watched Isaiah Stewart kick his ass. <laughs> and sometimes it's just about kicking a guy's ass. And it's worked out. And I, like you said earlier, O'Connell had a really good playoffs. Um, and not to say he's not going to be a good player, but so far Troy was right. Um, I, he's just not a groupthink guy. And he does his research. And you look at the NBA, you look at the playoffs, I know 6'8", primary creators um long can play multiple positions that's kind of like what is coveted in today's nba but if you look 
it's kind of the the teams late in the playoffs. Um, obviously, Paul George fits the the Cade Cunningham mold, but like the Donovan Mitchells, the Devin Booker's, the Trey Youngs, yeah, like Trey. the guys that the quick twitch guys that can go get you a bucket. Those are those are needed too. Yep. And J- and Jalen Green, from all accounts, can be that. Um, I I think the pick is going to be Cade. I don't think that they trade it for an established veteran. I, I, I think that's far down the list. Um, I think it's going to be Cade. I think here I'll say this. I think no matter what, Cade will be picked number one. Sure. Whether whether or not Detroit starts the season with him on his team, I would say 70-30 yes that he, they do. But I uh, like I said, Troy's not a groupthink guy. Um, I'm sure he's been scouting both these guys for a long time. I mean, and I did a story on on Cade getting to know like getting to know him before the stardom, and he lost two games. Um, I think his last year playing AAU with the uh, Texas Titans, one of them was I think either the Peach Jam final. Uh, I think it was the Peach Jam final. He lost. They lost the title game to Jalen Green's team. Oh, okay, and so. I mean, there's you just never know what people see, what people have um, viewed, what people have who have they talked to. Like, I don't, I don't put much stock in that one game in AAU, but you never know. Maybe Troy was there and saw something. You just never know. Um, and then just couple that with what I've heard how much they like Green, and again, they really like Cade too. Um, I, I just don't think it's. I don't think they know right now who, the, who they're taking number one. And that's what, so I've been on other podcasts, um, not even just Pistons podcasts, like draft podcasts, and they say, is it 100% that they're taking Cade Cunningham? And again, I'm not privy to information. I just go based off what I can read and and all of that. I I take in as much as I can. But I said, there's no way it's 100%. Like I've said, it's like 97% it's Cade or whatever, but you have to leave some percent because again, Troy Weaver has shown that maybe he sees things in guys that other people don't. And so you're telling me there's no chance that he may see something in Jalen Green that just says superstar. Like he's a 25 to 30 point a game guy for, you know, 10 years or whatever. I'm not saying that is what, but you're telling me there's no chance. And that's why I, I just, I feel like it's crazy. And I, and if he sees that in Jalen Green, like here's my thing. If he takes Jalen Green, will I be a little bit disappointed that it's not Cade? Maybe, but I have confidence in Troy Weaver that if he takes Jalen Green, it's because he saw something that made him very, very confident that Jalen Green is going to be a star. No, that's a good point. That's a point I've talked about with um, other people and friends. Like, I understand being upset if Kate's not the pick. Um, if you're one who does your homework and like came to the conclusion that you think Kate is the best player, or if you're one of those people that you've been told Kate is number one. And so he should go number one either way if you're in either department. Um, I think I'm going to be fascinated to see if Troy doesn't pick Cade, how much the fan base, (laughs) do they turn on him? Do they trust him? Because he's had a great year um, and he found three really good, well, two really good first round picks and another one who has the most upside who just was hurt last year. Um, Is there enough trust in the bank already? after a year or is it is it going to be in anarchy and is it going to be up in flames are people going to be pissed because it, it wasn't Kate I'm fascinated to know I, I I was telling somebody if I was a Pistons fan I would trust whatever Troy does yep but then again um nobody's ever batted a thousand in the NBA draft so 
it's it's a tough call, but I think Troy, I think you talk to a lot of people in the league, other executives, uh, media, uh, coaches. I think a lot of them would tell you I would trust what Troy, whatever Troy decides. No, and that's so. One to, to answer that question, I think Pistons fans would be up in arms. For me, I, I would I would be on the same side as you, James. If you were a fan, like you said, um, as a fan, I I trust Troy Weaver. And I will give, you know, I will trust him until there's a reason not to, you know, and that's obviously he's way smarter of a basketball mind than me, no matter what. But he's shown that he's a great talent evaluator, makes great decisions with these things. But I do think Pistons fans would be, and a part of me wonders if it's because they don't want to have to take the ridicule from other fan bases. And this should never be a reason. I think that's a large part. You know what I mean? Like people crush you know, there's still people right now that, that talk about Detroit Pistons organization like it's a dumpster fire. And it's like, all right, like obviously you, you know, have no fault of their own, but you didn't watch a game. You haven't followed the team. You don't know what's going on right now. And maybe that's not their fault. But I think Pistons fans are worried on you're going to have to get on Twitter and just have people crush you because you didn't take Cade Cunningham. Your team, excuse me, your team didn't take trade yeah. Cade Cunningham. I think just being – part of Pistons Twitter and observing it I think that's a I think that is a good a large part of it I think there are a lot of people too who are big basketball fans like yourself and and do the homework and the research and genuinely believe like I do that Kate is the number one pick yes um and that would be a reason for just them being upset but I do think what you said is is a big part of it so real quick, let's move off Cade now and that number one pick. Let's look at the offseason just a little bit because I do want to get to our Around the NBA segment with you, James, and talk a little bit about the NIL and the playoffs. But uh, just we're, we're not going to get to do the second round pick stuff, but just look at some of these contract decisions we have. Corey Joseph, non-guaranteed. I think it's only like $2 million or something, so we could save money there. Dennis Smith Jr. I think is restricted. Diallo restricted. Frank Jackson um, just real quick, if you could go through either your predictions or what you've heard about those guys being on the roster, not being on the roster at the start of next season. I think getting the number one pick eliminates Corey okay. from coming back just simply because the, the $10 million they'd save would essentially – well, not save, but oh, I guess it's saving. If Like you said, Corey's only guaranteed $2 million. Um, if he's on the team past a certain date, and when he's on the team past that date, he gets the full twelve million. Yep. Uh, so I mean, that ten million difference right there essentially pays for the number one pick. So I think he's gone. Um, Dennis, I think, is gone. Uh, Frank is, I think, is for sure back. Like I think he's been working out with the team. Okay, if good. I'm not mistaken. Good. If the team is. I mean, they've been posting like summer workout photos on their Instagram, and Frank's been in a lot of them. Uh, so I, I imagine he's coming back. Um, and Hamadou is the interesting one. Yes. <laughs> um, I like Hamadou more than some. Um, I think he has the potential to be a really good defender. I, I think he's not there yet. I think he has some mental lapses defensively, but just in terms of compete and size and quickness, I think he has the potential to be really good. Obviously, attacking the rim, he's very good. I think he's an underrated passer. Um, and much like Killian, his jump shot is going to dictate how what he can be in this league. Um, but even then, you saw improvements last year. Even though it's still funky looking, he still doesn't take a lot of them. I, I just like I like his compete level. I like having guys like that around. Um, obviously, there's a price. I, I'm I know that there's at least one or two teams that are going to make a run at him. Um, and but then it also like if you get Cade, if you get Jalen Green, do you need to bring back Hamadou? Depending on the price, because he's probably going to 
I don't know if he comes. I would be curious. There's a part of me just from talking to people that if, say, the Pistons bring back your draft Cade and bring back Hamadou, I, I, don't, I don't know for sure if Killian starts. Um, I would guess okay. he would, but just conversations, I'm not 100% sure that, that he that he would start. Um, so that's, yeah, I think it kind of dictates, it's going to be dictated by the draft, uh, but I do think it's kind of a tough sell to trade for Hamadou midseason. Um, obviously him and Troy had a great relationship, have a great relationship and not, and not bring him back. Um, but I'm curious. Yeah. He's the one I, I would say 60, 40 comes back. Uh, so that's, you have me nervous now, James. Cause I, so Frank Jackson is one of my favorite players. I think he has really, I think he has high potential as just like a, a, a scorer off the bench. You know, I don't, I don't know that he ever, you know, he's still young. Maybe he develops some other parts of his games, but. But you need those guys. Yes, yeah. ex- exactly. You know, a guy that comes in, gets buckets. Again, he took a huge jump in his three point percentage. If that's sustainable, if he's really a 40, around a 40% three point shooter, I think that's a huge guy that, you know, off the bench in the second unit. Diallo is a guy I'm very intrigued by. His, his second jump athleticism is unreal. Like you say, you know defensively off the ball at times I have like I don't want to say this is a hot take so I did like a season review of every players Um, it hasn't come out yet but with Diallo the first thing I saw from him is like I see a little bit of I'm not saying a point guard by any means but has a little bit of like offensive initiator in him like he'll get a defensive rebound and he's gonna push the ball and attack and, it, and in Oklahoma City, he averaged four assists a game. So I just think there's a little more all-around offensive game to him than just the athleticism, get to the rim. I know the shot has to come along. Have you seen that? Has there any been talk of that? You talked about him as an underrated passer. Yeah, no, I, I mean, just watching every game that he played in Detroit, like you can see that there's there's something there. I think he's still in the process of trying to – slow the game down for him he's just so fast and i think he plays so fast that he needs to just slow the game down and he's still so young like that'll come yep um and i think that's where a lot of the kind of the hiccups come for him for him uh but yeah like i I think he is a jump shot away from being like a legitimate starter and i know some people agree with me some people don't i understand the other side as well I, i just think he has a lot of he's athletically he's as gifted as you can get um great length good size the skill like he's gotten better each year i just i like him and i and i love guys that compete like that and i just think he perfectly also just fits the culture that they're trying to build like i mean imagine a a a lineup three years from now of uh, Cade, uh, hamadou a sadiq isaiah and a killian like defensively (laughs) and a jeremy like that's defensively like that's gonna be switchable across the board yeah like that's tough man and then on offense like all those guys can attack most of them can stretch the floor like it's i I like hamadou for this particular team and what they're building um but again there's always everybody has a price even lebron james so you gotta you gotta figure out what you're willing to pay and what's the most you're willing to go to to bring him back given whatever his role might be which seems like it's going to be off the bench but you never know that it might sound silly but that's that's the decision that kind of has me the most nervous honestly and I don't think it's going to come down to the Pistons I think it's going to come down to like you said what another team sees in him and is willing to offer him because at a certain point as much as I like Hami even as much as it sounds like you like Hami you're not going to keep him around for that price so um, hey, we're going to go over, but I don't care. I have you on. So as long as you're okay with it, James, I, I, I want to, has there been talk about some zone with this team? Like you talked about all this length and athleticism from a group. 
you know, have you heard that? Like, I just look at the, the, the roster construction. I'm like, this is a team that maybe could play, I don't want to say a lot of zone, but utilize the zone defense a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne talked about it last year. They used a good amount of zone this past season, and I think it's something that he's going to continue to incorporate. I mean, Dwayne defensively is it's where he earned his chops in this league. If people remember that 2-3 that zone that Dallas had that beat the Heatles, that was Dwayne. Okay. Um, he, he was the assistant coach on that, was it 2011 Mavs team that won the title? Um, that gave trouble to the Heat. Um, that zone defense, like, I think Dwayne's going to – and and – his assistants are going to experiment, continue to experiment defensively. Um, and yeah, I definitely think they're going to continue to use zone. They used a, a pretty good amount last year. Cool. No, that's what I just continue to look at the roster and, you know, if it is Cade or whatever, you know, it just seems like a team that can, can really utilize that. So let's do, let's go around the NBA now. Let's get away from the Pistons just a little bit, James, if that's okay. And yeah. uh, with a not necessarily NBA topic, but it, I guess it could have, you know, affected a little bit. I don't know, but um, I want to talk about it. The, the name image likeness ruling that came out, been in the news a lot. I would just love to get your opinion on this. Um, wh- wh- how you feel about it, things you've heard, maybe it will affect, uh, you know, draft prospects somehow. What, what, what do you think about that ruling? I mean, I love it. Um, I'm all for people who get, I mean, people make money off all athletes and for them to make money is, is fair. Like you, the world isn't fair. Um, like in any, in any profession, in any walk of life, you get, what you can demand. And there are going to be people on college campuses who would pay money for a, a meet and greet with a, a volleyball player, a lacrosse player, more so than they are than the, the, um, the math major. Like it just is what it is. Like it's been life and it stinks. Um, but it, those are the, what people are into. You, you can get money for what people are interested in and that's sports. And I mean, People talk about, I think a, a scholarship, a full-ride scholarship is enough compensation. It's like these universities make millions, billions of dollars. You know how much money Florida made off Tim Tebow? <laughs> yep. Like for him, he can't uh, do a commercial for an auto dealer or X, Y, and Z. Like it's it's ridiculous. And um, I think the only – you might run into some, some concerns when – Maybe a, a player makes more than a coach at the college level. I'm fascinated to see when that the first time that happens. <laughs> and it's going to happen, right? Like it's going to happen. Gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to happen. And I, I'm very curious to see if there's anything that comes of that. But yeah, man, I mean, people should, if you have an opportunity to make money, this is, why not? Like, I, yeah, I'm all for it. Let, let's do it. It should have been done a long time ago. Yeah. And so that's, I'll be honest, I was naive about this whenever I was, when I was playing. So I went to American where Vlad played as well. We made it to the first NCAA tournament in school history and both yeah. years I was there. And I didn't realize the, so the next two years, the incoming freshman class was the biggest in school history. And it's like, just in that way, we made money for the school, let alone, you know, how many right. more people came to the games and, you know, all that. But just because American University, maybe not nationally, obviously, but regionally, you know, was bigger. It was on national TV. People had heard about it. And so now, you know, they, their enrollment was higher. And for each of those kids, they're making more money. So 
you know, I, I didn't even understand all of it whenever I was a player, you know, but I was telling someone the other day, like we, I showed up to campus and they're like, Hey, you know, every once in a while, like don't take a free meal. If you show up to a restaurant and someone says, you know, and that's why I said, like, I wasn't good enough that anybody was going to give me a sponsorship or, you know, whatever to do a commercial, but I probably would have got a free meal, you know, here and there, or, you know, maybe I could have put on a shooting clinic or something like yeah. that and made a little bit of money autographs, in the summer. Yes. Autographs or pictures. Yeah. Anything. But I had teammates who definitely could have, you know, like, you know, we had a couple stars on our team. We had a big time shooter, um, you know, so those guys could. So I think it's awesome. And like you say, obviously I talk about it from a basketball perspective, but you know, I know there was a gymnast that so supposedly she's going to get like a, a seven figure deal and I think she has a huge social media platform. So it's going to be all sports, male, female across the country. There's going to be some tough situations. There's going to be some agents who take advantage of these kids, some boosters who maybe take advantage. But in general, I feel like it's a really good thing for these kids. No, yeah, we're in lockstep. I, I think um, you hope that the kids do well and are are kind and maybe treat their, their teammates who aren't as privy to such – um, financial avenues and maybe take them out to dinner a couple times yes. or buy, buy the pizza or the beers <laughs> that night. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's going to be fine. Like sports gambling is legal. College athletes are getting paid. Everybody's still alive. Everybody's, nobody's freaking out. It's, it's fine. Yeah. No, that's the, I think change, as you know, you know, like you say in life, whether it's sports or anything else, change is hard for people, but we will figure it out. It'll be okay. And, and you know, here's what I don't want to do. Let's not give the, I don't know how you'll feel about this. So maybe you'll disagree. Let's not give the NCAA very much credit on this because I feel like their hand was forced by the NBA G League Ignite, this overtime sure. elite program. That overtime elite program is so legit. I, I, I or I feel like it, like just from reading on the website. Um, yeah. and these prep schools who were, you know, forming a league. Um, or talked about like the NCAA realized they weren't just going to lose the Jalen Greens and the Jonathan Kamingas. They were going to st- start losing the top 15, 20 players in each class to all these different organizations. That, that's how, that was my feeling anyway. Yeah. And th- why were they afraid to lose it? Because they lose money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it all comes full circle. Yes, sir. It's been, it's ridiculous that it's taken this long. Um, yeah, I'm not giving the NCAA any credit. I'm no. with you. Yeah. Uh, re- real quick, do you think non-basketball completely, but you think Reggie Bush is going to get his Heisman back? That's kind of dominated this news um, now after the initial push. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to be curious how they handle things retroactively. Yes. Um, sh- I mean, should he? Yes. Uh, will they? I could see them not doing it. Yeah. Um, but – my thing is, I don't know. I'm not Reggie Bush, so I can't say. Well, like Reggie Bush, I don't, from somebody who grew up, is 29 and grew up literally in watching Reggie Bush and Matt Liner and all those guys, Mike Williams, like, I, I don't, Reggie, Reggie Bush was always our Heisman. I don't know, but yeah. I'm sure he'd like to have that trophy in his, in his home. So, um, yeah, I think, he, I think he should get it. Will he get it? I would, I would probably say not. I just think the NCAA is, felt like they've done enough. They're not going to go back and retroactively give reparations to people. Yeah, no, that and that's what's hard, right? Like you say, just a retroactive look at it. Like unless there's a court ruling. So like I was actually in college during whenever the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit against EA Sports. So okay. I actually got a, me and my teammates, we all got, you know, we all got checks from that. 
And I, I, yeah, I was shocked. Like I had, I didn't even really follow it a whole lot. I knew what was going on. Um, and then one day our teammate, one of my teammates texted in our group chat and was like, Hey, you guys need to fill this out. But I think it's hard to do that with the name, image and likeness. You know, it's not the same thing. It's not as cut and dry as those EA sports games where you could go back and know for sure, you know, during the, the time periods and the years. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, so let's, before we finish off here, James, if you still have a little bit of time and don't mind, let's look at the NBA playoffs. Are, are you good with that? Can we do a little yeah, bit of that? Yeah, no problem, man. Okay. So just your thoughts on the playoffs so far. Um, you know, injuries has been a huge topic. I know. Um, thank God for Giannis, man. That looks so bad when it happened. I, I'm so, yeah. whether he plays in the finals or not, I keep saying this. I'm just glad we're not going to miss out on Giannis for a year. Um, obviously great for him and the Bucks and the NBA, but you know, the, what, what's the storyline? Um, emerging stars surprise teams players just from the playoffs in general what's kind of piqued your interest the most i know as a clippers fan i don't know if you want to go there or not <laughs> sorry <laughs> no, i mean I, I have like a list of things that like i've been impressed with and Ty Lue is high on that list yes like, I, yes i think we need to when we start mentioning who are the top five coaches in the league like Ty Lue's willingness to experiment his willingness to change kind of lack of ego with orchestrating on the floor like i've just been really impressed with tyloo and what he did this playoffs um yeah of course like i'm all for the non-major teams major market teams being in um like i just am one of those guys that loves something different and uh, lakers brooklyn finals wouldn't have done it for me like i this sun's bucks is right up my alley yes um i, I love that i love two homegrown stars that were drafted by their teams have signed extensions have i mean more so in devin's case have gone through tough times but here they are in the finals um i, I love that chris paul's of course in his hall of fame career the time he gets to the finals is with the phoenix suns this late in um i think that's fascinating <laughs> um i think utah has some stuff they need to figure out um uh, where else are we at in the east who um I mean, Brooklyn's coming. Like, that's just going to happen. What do you think about the Hawks? Trey Young and the Hawks. What do you think about that run? And where, I mean, they could, I think, if I'm not mistaken, James, they can pretty much bring back that whole core. I know John Collins' contract is, um, you know, has a little situation. What do you think about that squad? I, they really impressed me. Um, and shout out to Travis Schlenk. And I remember when they did all the signings, like, yeah, it's a lot of offense, but where's the defense? Um, and, they showed why they went out and made those signings. They had a bunch of guys that could put the ball on the floor and create, create for themselves, create for others. Defensively under Nate McMillan, they were really solid. They were structural. Um, I, they were bend, don't break. I, I really enjoyed what I saw from Atlanta. I, there is part of me that thinks they just caught lightning in a bottle. Sure, sure. Um, but I'm sure I'll be eating my words next year. Uh, but, I, I mean, in, in totality, I was very impressed with what they did. I was very impressed with Trey Young. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich, like I, they're Bogdan, Bog, wait, which one's the, uh, is it Bogdan? I think Bogdan. Yeah, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, I love watching him. Kevin Herter impressed me, um, even more so just his ability to put the ball on the floor and obviously he can hit shots, but he, he showed to be a big time player. Um, yeah, man, I've, I've really enjoyed this playoffs. It's been fun. Um, people give the East crap, but a lot of the East series have been great. They've been a blast. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I, this is my, this has been my type of playoffs. I, I like the non, the lack of, uh, the parody and, um, the different teams and different faces and different stars being pushed to the forefront because 
we can't hang our head on LeBron forever. Can't hang our head on Kevin Durant and Steph Curry forever. Like their times, their NBA career is ticking down. And um, it's good to see these guys have these moments and these markets have these moments too. Absolutely. That's what I said. Like Steph Curry is probably my favorite. He's my second favorite player of all time. Um, you know, Allen Iverson was my favorite player of all time. I, I fell in love with the game watching Iverson. Steph is a must see TV. And so, but even with that, I was like, I mean, it's okay if we don't have Steph and LeBron. The storylines will, will write themselves. Somebody will, and, and it has Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, the C, CP3. How about Paul George, um, you know, and what he did in these playoffs, even though they didn't make it, you know, to the finals. Reggie and, Jackson. Yeah, Reggie Jackson, exactly. That's And, and you brought up Ty Lue. You know, he has been able to, it, I love it that without having to win a championship, he has... Um, elevated his place as an NBA coach. Cause I, yeah. I think sometimes we rely to, yeah, it's easy to say a guy's great after they win a championship. Like uh-huh. I love that he's getting credit without winning a championship and, you know, great for him. What, what, uh, what do you think about Ben Simmons? What's your take on Ben Simmons and the Sixers? I'm over Ben Simmons. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> no, we, it's just, I, People, this is, I think, where a lot of the discourse was lost during that series. And a lot of people were talking about Ben. He needs to get a three ball. He, he's got to be able to shoot. That no. wasn't my problem with him nope. in the, nope. in the yeah. playoffs. He doesn't need it. Yep. He, like, it, yeah, should he have one? And at this point, should he like shoot, actually like shoot one? Like, yes. But the fact that he wasn't even attacking the basket, yes. like just having, wanting no parts and going to the free throw line, wanting no parts and having, um, the ball in, in his in his hands when it mattered most, um, like that's that was kind of like the final straw for me. I don't I didn't give a damn that he didn't shoot any threes. It's like you're six ten, can put the ball on the floor, and you're strong as all hell. Why are you not driving to the hoop to get a layup like Absolutely. one time in these fourth quarter? Like it's it, that was infuriating, and it it show, just shows to me like he's a guy that I don't want to say he he plays basketball for for Instagram, but um. There's definitely there's something you want you want you want your franchise player to have some dog in him. Yep. And <laughs> while he's a great defender, I, they used like you couldn't go attempt a layup. And I'm not even talking about the the dunk he passed up. Like he just wouldn't go attack the hole. He wouldn't put pressure on the rim because he doesn't want to go to the free throw line. Yeah. And it's it's it was just kind of the final straw for me. So I'd be surprised if he's on the team next year. Um, Something needs to be done. I don't think you can win big with that. If Ben Simmons is going to be that for the next few years, and you gotta, you gotta capitalize on Joel Embiid now because you just don't know when the wheels are going to fall off that train. Well, and that's, I mean, the quotes after that, and I know it's, you know, he kind of heated the moment and all of that, but they didn't sound, pro- and they didn't, but they, I was just saying they didn't sound promising for Ben's future yeah. in, in Philly. I'm with you. I, I yes, if Ben Simmons had a three, he would be. I don't know what he'd be in a stratosphere that's pretty high. That's all I'll say. If he had a three to go along, but you brought up the point that he really is lacking right now. I, who am I to call out somebody's mental toughness? But I, I, it just didn't seem like it was there mentally. Like, and I'm hoping that it maybe it was just something that happened in that series because he's had playoff success before. 
But when he's aggressive in all the ways you talked about, he's really good and he doesn't need the three-point shot to be a huge impact on the floor. But it was really, really hard to watch that happen um, in that moment. Yeah, it was tough, especially when you're watching Giannis kind of do what you want to see Ben Simmons do. Yep. Um, Put your head down, attack, use your big body, your long arms, and and get to the hole. It's like it can be done without a three ball. Uh, Or the guy on the other series in the same conference is doing it. Yep. So so real quick um, before I let you go, James, just a look at at the finals. And you touched on CP3 and Book, and, and we've talked about Giannis a little bit. Um, I don't know what Giannis's status is. I saw that he's not doing media today because his status was still up in the air. We we're recording this Monday afternoon. What, what's just kind of your take on the, the finals? You don't even have to give us a prediction if you don't want to, James. I, I won't hold you to that, but just, you know, beyond just enjoying it because I'm excited about the series as well. Are there any matchups or, or that you're really looking at? I mean, I just, I like kind of the two contrasting styles. Um, Milwaukee, a physical, um, uh, I don't want to necessarily say they're poised, even though they haven't been here before, but this is a team that's been trying to break through. Yeah. Um, while Phoenix kind of got Chris Paul, who's hasn't been here before, but is poised and a veteran and has kind of led and, and spilled some of that, that wisdom on them they, to make them look a little bit more mature than they actually are. As, as and when you look at like the age of the roster, um, I'm curious to see who guards Middleton. Him, him and the Mikel Bridges matchup will be fascinating. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch CP3 and Drew go at it. Um, Aiden and Lopez will be fun. I just, I love every matchup across the board. I think they play different basketball. Um, the Suns can can play a few different ways. Milwaukee kind of plays this this similar way. I've loved what I've seen from Chris Middleton for most of these playoffs and just his evolution as a, as a late game guy and his shot creation and shot making. Um, he's going to have to be the best player in this series, I think for Milwaukee to win. And there've been times this playoffs when he's, he's done that. Um, hence why they're here. And I, I think yesterday you asked me this, I, I would take the Suns and six, but I I've, kind of similar to what we were talking about with Detroit. It kind of feels like in Milwaukee. Yep. Yep. They, it feels like this is going to be the year. And if it's not, they're in trouble because Brooklyn's coming. Philly's probably going to do something to, to get over the hump. This might be the last obvious window for them to, to clear title contention. And it happened after beating Brooklyn. That was always going to be their toughest task. I, I think this just feels like the year it happens for Milwaukee. I, I, I agree. I, I don't know. I think I want, I don't think, I want Phoenix to win. I want, I don't think CP3 needs it to submit his legacy. Again, we just kind of talked about that with Lou, I think, but I think CP3's greatness has already been shown, but I really like Devin Booker. I like Bridges. I like yeah, DeAndre Ayton. I, I just aesthetically as a fan, a basketball fan, I enjoy watching the Phoenix Suns play a little bit more than the Bucks. That's just my personal sure. preference. And so that's why I would like to see the Suns win. But what you said about the Bucks, like I kind of have this theory in general that you have to like overcome, you have to have heartbreak before you break through and win a championship most of the time. And it kind of, you know, you have to be there and not quite get there. Kind of like what the Hawks did this year, but the Bucks have done that the last two years. And it does seem like maybe it finally played out in their favor to go ahead and finish it. Um, you know, and you know, it's interesting. I think like Giannis does play in the finals. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. I didn't want to yeah. hold you to anything, um, but I, I was going to ask if you thought Giannis would play or not. 
I think he plays. If he misses a game, again, assuming he doesn't come back and like re-aggravate the injury. Sure. Yep. I think if he misses a game, it's game one, and then he plays from there on out. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, and you're right. It's kind of interesting that none of these guys are champs um, on either team, but they do seem like a very poised veteran, been here before, even though they haven't been here before. I know some of them have, obviously, but you know, it, it it's going to be fun. I'm excited to watch the games for sure. Same man, I'm, I'm, this was a this is a basketball nerds dream finals. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think we're we're all very uh, excited about how this one's going to play out. Absolutely. So, James, man, like, thank you so much. I've had a blast. I wish we could go even Same. longer. Um, I don't know. Maybe if you're willing, we can get you back on sometime down the road. But yeah, thank without question, man. Just let me know. Awesome. Thank you for coming on, recording. Much appreciated. L- let us let everybody know where they can find you and, and everything you're working on. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at JLEdwardsIII. Um, if you're a Pistons fan, uh, I cover the Pistons for The Athletic. Um, you can go to The Athletic and look at the Detroit page, which has all the Detroit teams. Um, you can go and just look at the Pistons team if you're just a Pistons fan. Uh, one subscription to The Athletic gets you access to every single team we cover, not just in Detroit, but we cover all the NBA teams, NFL teams. If you're into soccer like I am, Premier League, um, MLB, everything. So subscribe to a Piston store, you get access to everything. Uh, and then check out the Bun and Cardigan show on wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Uh, that's me and Nicholas Hankel. We do a, right now we're just doing once a week just because it's the off season. Uh, but usually during the season, we do two podcasts a week. Um, it's a blast to do it with them. And yeah, so, so check those out and, Appreciate you having me on, man. This was fun. Absolutely. So make sure you check out that Bun and Cardigan show podcast. Follow James on Twitter. He was one of the first follows we had whenever we created Motor City Hoops. And Appreciate that. Uh, nah, for sure, man. And I, I've followed you ever since, tried to interact with you, um, you know, got the follow back finally. Feel like, you know, we, we finally put out that quality content. To, so, um, well, for, for, just for first, usually it's like, like during the season, my mentions get crazy. No, no, no. I, I yeah. sometimes I just miss. I I miss a lot of stuff. So like anybody listening to this, if you've ever replied, um, that's just you didn't say anything dumb, of course. No, but no. Like if anybody's replied and I missed it, it's generally like I just probably missed it, and I I, I always feel that I wish I could reply or follow back everybody. But that, definitely, you guys, I've seen your stuff. I've thought I don't know how long I followed you. It feels like a, a long time, but yeah. um. No, you guys do really good stuff, man. No, I appreciate it. And I didn't mean that in any way whatsoever. I, I understand, like, no, I, no, no, I know you didn't, but it didn't, there's, yeah, like, I always just, I just, that's just like one of my things. Like, I always feel bad. Like, I don't, if somebody follows me and, and engages a lot and I don't follow back, it's like, I might have, I generally sometimes just miss stuff. So, yeah, for sure. That's what, anytime I put out something halfway decent and it kind of gets going and I have like 20, you know, notifications or whatever, I think about like you and Rod Beard and other guys and Nick, I'm like, there's no way these guys are keeping. I bet sometimes you open up a Twitter and you have a hundred different notifications. You know, there's no way you catch it all. So yeah, it can um, get crazy. Uh, I appreciate you. I know everybody with Pistons Twitter appreciates what the content you put out and the interactions you give with us. I, I've talked to other people about it. So if, if you aren't following James already, you need to. He's big time and appreciate everything you do. I appreciate you having me on. This was a blast, man. And as always, you can find us on Facebook at Motor City Hoops. Follow us on Twitter at Motor City Hoops. Always looking for engaging Pistons, NBA, sports conversations. Give this episode a rating. Leave a comment. Tell a fan or a friend, excuse me. Vlad will be back next week, hopefully dropping that episode on Monday. We appreciate all of you and talk to you soon. 
Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.